American Redoubt Radio Operators Network and is a nationwide disaster preparedness network made up of patient-oriented radio operators. So, Amron phonetically, Alpha, Mike, Romeo, Romeo, Oscar, November. This is a directed net, so please hold any traffic until that control station calls for it. Any emergency traffic may break in at any time. Whether you're seasoned or new, this is the place for patriots, preppers, and partisans who understand the necessity of being able to receive and share information with others. When conventional communications are disrupted or compromised, grid up or grid down, this is Partisan Radio. Welcome to Volume 8. Hope you're all working hard to get your comms up. Congratulations to those of you who received your tickets this week for technician and general class licenses. Good job. And those are great progress reports coming from you guys. Just real quick, in the Terminator 8R, the Terminator handheld dual band radio saga as it continues, they apparently have resubmitted some FCC paperwork because of its apparent Part 90, non-compliance. The rest of the radio is in compliance, apparently, but uh, they are trying to articulate how that is legal and as under Part 90. So they have pulled those from Amazon. However, they still are available for sale at their website. And that's available at anytonetech.com. So we'll continue to bring updates on those. Great radio. I'm glad I got mine. There is a really handy tool that someone gave me or sent me. It is a link to a wiki site called Signal Identification Guide. And we are going to post that on the resources posting for volume eight for you to go and listen to examples or samples of audio files from the various different modes so you can hear what those sound like. And that helps with those uh, signals identification when you hear those when you're monitoring on either your scanner or shortwave radios or your ham radios and you hear something maybe you haven't heard before and you want to try to identify it. Well, that's one really good resource for you to be able to do that. That's SIGI, S-I-G-I-D, wiki.com. So signals identification guide. We'll have that link for you. Most of you are aware of the earthquake that happened in Nepal. There are at least 2,500 dead in three countries because of that earthquake. And ham radio went right to work. Some of you have been monitoring and listening, and I strongly recommend that to hear a live emergency net happen, uh, even as they experience aftershocks, which are nearly as powerful as the original earthquake. At least one HF net is reported to be handling emergency and relief-related traffic in the wake of a devastated and devastating and deadly earthquake in central Nepal. The magnitude 7.9 quake on April 25th, Friday, caused landslides on Mount Everest during the climbing season, killing an unknown number of mountaineers and stranding others. A strong aftershock hit April 26th, and so far, over, well, according to this article, it's 2,200 people are reported dead. It's more than that now. The earthquake hit an area between the capital city of Kathmandu and the city of Pokhara. An emergency net has been running around the clock on 20 meters, 
on 14.205 and or 14.215 megahertz. There are a couple of uh, stations that are acting as net control. They're running around the clock. It's been attempting to organize relief logistics. Amateur Radio DX.com also has reported activity on 7.118.160 and 21.360 megahertz. And the non-government organization Humanity Road is maintaining an updated summary of the damage as well as immediate needs. Now, we all want to always be ready to have our stations put into service immediately when an emergency takes place. This, This week in the state of Oregon, a disaster preparedness exercise was conducted, and it also included... It was based on an earthquake scenario. I was contacted by one of our Amron operators living in Oregon saying, I was just monitoring and listening to the frequencies and I overheard this emergency practice net going on. Should I send in reports? Of course, my answer was yes. First of all, it gives you great experience in filling out situation reports. And secondly, it helps us understand the readiness level of some of these emergency radio networks in our region. So she began filling out sit reps online and filling out the online form and submitting them that way. And I have several of those that uh, I'm going to try to compile and have uploaded as an example of uh, situation reports that were taken from uh, the simulated emergency test involving an earthquake. Here's something else, too, that I wanted to point out to you. You should always have this paperwork handy and ready to go. While the internet is up and running, you can go to amron.com and fill out sit reps, spot reports, and you can also print out your monitoring or intercept forms and your intercept worksheets. So these are forms that you should have printed out in the event that the internet is not available. Go to amron.com and on the left-hand side, you'll see at the top communications resources. Just hover over that and the third one down, or the actually the second option down, is Amron Forms. Go to the Amron Forms and you'll scroll down to Intelligence. These are forms, actually you should have copies of all of these forms printed out. But for this particular situation, she was intercepting emergency communications. For that, you'd want to fill out the intercept worksheet, that's AFP-78, and monitoring intercept form, AFP-77. This will help you log emergency communications going on in your area, which could be useful later on in a real-world emergency if you're aware of frequencies and stations that you know you've been able to copy in the past. In a real-world situation, you might be able to listen and more easily tune in to find out information about a developing situation, and you know that who you can reach for help. If you can't uh, reach others, you know that you've been able to reach or hear these guys in the past. 
So this was an exercise of opportunity. Actually, I knew about this, but I had forgotten about it in the wake of uh, communication support with the Sugar Pine Mine, and it, I just did not recall this pre-planned training exercise in the state of Oregon. So this was, uh, this was a really good experience for this particular operator. I wanted to pass that experience on to you. So have those forms ready to go and have your station ready to be put into service at any time with everything that you need right there at your station. Now, this week I was contacted by someone who began acting as net control in an area where there is a net scheduled in their area, but after monitoring for the last couple of months, there's been no net activity even after calling out, asking if anybody was out there and anyone was listening. So apparently someone has abandoned the net that they filed with Amron.com, which is on the net directory. And these folks are all excited about getting comms up and continuing with the nets. So they contacted me and asked me, is this appropriate if I just start acting as net control? And how do I go about doing it? I'm a new ham. Well, first of all, thank you for asking but yes, absolutely. Anytime you're conducting a net or you show up for a net, especially if one is scheduled and nobody appears to be running the net, any licensed ham operator should announce themselves and begin the net on their own initiative. Now, if the other scheduled net control operator comes along, then you guys can work it out between you and that other operator could take over the net. But as long as you're doing fine, they'll usually be hands off and just let you continue with it. So yes, you did the absolute appropriate thing. You called out, you asked, is there a net control operator? Are there any other stations monitoring for the Amron nets? Nothing heard. And then you started the net. Now, I just wanna let you know that we have scripts available online and of course, it's also in the signals operating instructions, your SOI, but we also have other scripts that are available to help you to be adapted to suit your needs for the net that you're operating. So you can print those out, keep those handy in your communications binder. And if you don't have a script available to you, make it up. You know what to say, and it doesn't have to be overly formal just to make sure that other folks can hear you. And also be mindful that other stations might be able to hear you, but you just can't hear them. So you still want to continue getting the net word of the week out. You want to announce yourself. This is the Amron net. This is so-and-so call sign uh, stepping in as net control operator for this such and such county net. I'm located in such and such a town. Uh, are there any Amron stations wishing to check in at this time? And uh, you can just make it up as you go. Those scripts will help you, though. And don't forget to send in a net report uh, to let us know that you were on the air and that you were training and let us know how many operators checked into your net. There's a lot of support there, and I want to really thank the Amron core operator that has been working very closely with them, encouraging them, make, guiding them to the right tools so that they could continue as net control operators until we can sort out what happened to the, the, the net control operator we have on, on file. Now, under security and communications comsec or communications security, 
I was going to talk about encrypted email this week, but I'm going to defer that until next weekend. When I'm at Prosser, I'm going to be talking about communications, grid up and grid down communications. In that presentation, I will be uh, going over some of the uh, better email, encrypted email services that are out there that have recently emerged. And I will have all of those resources available for you then. This is from Sierra Papa 05. And he asked this, I'm beginning to look at possible mobile rigs for my truck. And I was hoping that you might touch on that in your podcast. Some things to consider. Should I go for broke and get a Yesu 817ND? Or get something slightly less expensive and use the extra money for accessories for the other unit, such as antennas, tuners, etc. Can I set up my rig for both truck and battery slash portable operations? And if so, how? Well, Sierra Papa 05, thank you for the question and thank you for working and striving to get your comms up. It's just one more operator in the network that uh, really helps. Now, you mentioned specifically the Yesu 817ND. That is a great little radio, and it is a little radio. It is HF, VHF, and UHF, and it's capable of digital modes. I would recommend, instead of the 817 for your first radio, if you have no radio at all, I would recommend that you strongly consider the 857D model. It is a little bit larger than the 817, but it is full powered. For the Amron operators that started off with a QRP, that's low power rig, uh, with the like the 817, they just found that they could not consistently reach stations that they were hoping they would be able to connect with on the air. And ultimately ended up buying a amplifier for the radio to boost the power up to 100 watts so that they could finally start reaching other people. Now, the 857D is a small mobile rig, but it's full power at 100 watts that you could use on your desktop as a base unit. Although, because it's so small, it's very menu and sub-menu intensive, but it kind of has to be to be that small. It's really ideal for a mobile rig to mount in a vehicle, but because of its small size, it can definitely be hooked up to a battery, especially if you have a lithium ion, lightweight portable battery, much easier, then you can take that on the trail with you and you have full power if needed. You can always scale back the power of a full-powered radio, but you cannot make a low-powered radio go any stronger in the field without an amplifier. And then you're back up to another piece of equipment that you were hoping to avoid, and the money that you would spend on an amplifier would put you way over the top of uh, what a full-power rig would have cost in the first place. So I hope that helps. As far as uh, antennas, that is a big depends answer because there's so many different options out there. One thing that I have used in the past and I still do is a ham stick and they make those pre-tuned for specific bands. I have a 40 meter 
ham stick and a 20 meter ham stick. Those have to be swapped out depending on which band you're going to be operating on, but it doesn't take up any more room than a regular CB antenna. And uh, they do a really good job for the price and for what they are. And there's other models out there too. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. And what I really like about the ham sticks is if you buy two of them, they're about $40 a piece. You buy two of them and they have an adapter where you screw those together and that turns it into a horizontal dipole, uh, which is really handy for out in the field. You can push it up on a, a pole to get it up higher and those do really well. Anyway, that's about all I have for this volume. Next week, we're going to be covering some advanced communications concepts in Prosser, and that will likely be volume nine for next week. So I'll be able to share that with you. It'll be a full hour long presentation on communications for preppers, patriots, and partisans. This is John Jacob Schmidt. I have no further traffic. 73. As ready trained communicators, Right up to the present time, radio hams have been busy every single minute. The ever-increasing group of radio amateurs who have equipped themselves at their own expense with two-way radio sets by amateurs who saw their opportunity to render a public service and paid off for Americans in trouble.